Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Amen. Wow, it's great to see you this morning. And those of you that are watching online, we're so blessed to have you with us today. And uh, if you're a first-time guest, please stop by the new here table. We have a gift that we want to give you. We just want to say thank you. Of all the places you could be this morning, being with us really means a lot. Well, if you have your Bible open to Mark chapter 8, we're in a series called Rediscovering or Discovering Jesus the Revolutionary. Um, We asked this week on social media, what's the most important question that you've ever been asked? And I loved the responses, and I thought they were great. Somebody said, I was asked, do you love Jesus? Uh, Somebody said, did you put on the armor? Uh, My brother asked me, what do you think about Jesus? Uh, Someone said, how can you know for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Uh, Someone said, do you really love me? Do you really care? Boy, those are some sobering questions, huh? And somebody said, will you marry me? Somebody said, "Uh, is it really worth it? Uh, Andrea said, it gets asked every day, what's for dinner? But she said, in our house, it probably is more accurate. Where are we going for dinner? (laughs) There's a lot of important questions that we're asked, right? Uh, I mean, personally, I think one of the most important questions I ever had is after I met Anita, and we've been dating for like two weeks, uh, three weeks maybe, we were in public shopping. She was actually going to cook lunch, and uh, she said, isn't it amazing we like all the same things? I said, yeah. She said, you know, people say opposites attract, but it's always good when people like the same things. I said, yeah, you're right. So walking down the aisle at Publix, pushing the cart, she looked over at me and she said, well, we might as well get married. Uh, So, uh, I mean, that was a great question that changed my life, and I'm glad that happened. Uh, Read with me today. Jesus asked the ultimate question that we all have to answer one way or the other. Uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29. For those of you that think I'm on a little early, it's not that I'm going to preach an hour, but we're going to be doing something a little bit different in a few minutes, and some of you need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is going to say to you today. Verse 27, now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, Well, some John the Baptist, some Elijah, others say one of the prophets. And he said, But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Say that with me. Who do you say I am? That's life's most ultimate question. Peter said, Well, you're the Christ. And he strictly warned them that they should tell no one. So here we see Jesus walking with his disciples, and they're in Caesarea Philippi, which is a very Gentile town. In fact, there were more pagan altars there than any other place in that region. All of those pagan altars represented who people in the world say that Jesus is. And he asked them, he said, uh, hey, uh, what's, what's the word on the street? What are, what are people saying about me? Now, he's six months out from the cross. So he's on his way to Jerusalem, literally. He's six months out, and he's saying, what's the opinion poll? What's the buzz? What do people say? Well, now we know that he's already been called a wine-bibber. We all know that he was called a friend of sinners, but the disciples didn't go there. They were really a little nicer. And somebody said, well, somebody said you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. That's why you can do so many miracles. 
Somebody else said, well, they say that you're Elijah. You're the premier prince of prophets, uh, not the Messiah, but the forerunner of the Messiah. And then in Luke's gospel, we read, say, some of them said that you're Jeremiah. I think most people in the world we're living in today, whether they believe that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven or they believe that Jesus is a savior, I believe that most everybody sees Jesus as a good man. Several years ago, Newsweek magazine had a cover story that was called The Other Jesus. In it, they listed the opinions of other major religions of how they saw Jesus. Let me give you just a synopsis of that. In that Newsweek uh, magazine said the Muslims recognize Jesus as a great prophet. Uh, they revere him as a son of Mary. Mary is the only woman's name that's in the book of Quran. And so they reverence Jesus because of that he was the son of Mary. Many Jews see that Jesus is an admirable Jew, but not the Messiah. Buddhists tend to depersonalize Jesus. Uh, they believe he walked on the earth, and he was a transformed figure, much like Buddha. Many Hindus are drawn to Jesus because of his compassion and his devotion to nonviolence, but they don't believe in any single God. Jesus asked all of us this morning in the house and those of you that are watching, who do you say that I am? Not who does other people say that I am, but who do you say that I am? Now, what he's saying to us is, don't give me your preferences. Don't give me your presumptions. And don't give me your projections onto me. But who do you see me as I really am? So I got to thinking about that. And I thought, well, a lot of people in America see Jesus, I would call a taffy pull Jesus. A taffy pull Jesus. You ever seen taffy make the candy that's made, how they stretch it and stretch it and stretch it and stretch it till it uh, really doesn't even look like its original thing. So a lot of people take the words of Jesus and they stretch them, take them out of context and stretch them until they have no resemblance to the original intention. If that means anything to you, you're going to love our next series. After Easter, we're starting a new series, and you'll see this. I didn't say that. Jesus. We're going to look at a lot of things that Jesus didn't say. Jesus never said, no shirt, no shoes, no service. He never said that. We're going to look at a, look at a lot of different things. Some people see Jesus as a patriotic Jesus. In other words, we're wrapped, he's wrapped in a flag and our assumption is everything we do has got to be blessed by God because we're Americans. Other people see Jesus as a, a political conservative Jesus. He's against budget increases. He stands for family values. And everybody should own a firearm. Then others see Jesus as a political liberal Jesus who's suspicious of Wall Street or Walmart, yet very passionate and very tolerant and very open to anything that's green and reduces our carbon footprint. Others see Jesus, and I think this is where some of you are here today. You see Jesus as an open-minded Jesus. In other words, he loves everyone all the time, no matter what they do, because he's open-minded. So I can live in sin, 
I know how he created me, but I choose to live different than that. But I believe simply because I come to church, simply because I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm acting like I'm a believer. Everything is all right because Jesus is very, very open-minded. Peter says, well, you're the Christ. Christos is the word. You're the Messiah. And then Jesus said, well done, you get an A on this. And then Jesus began to teach about what does it really mean to follow Jesus? I wonder sometimes do we really know what it means to follow Jesus? To follow Jesus is not just praying a prayer of guilt to get him off of, off, off of your back on Sunday. It's, it's, it's more than that. And so Jesus goes on to talk to them. And, uh, and uh, of course, he, he, verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man would suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Hey, big boy, just because you got it right on the last quiz, I think you're going down wrong territory when you try to rebuke Jesus. Jesus, I know what you said, but I really think this is what you ought to do. For some of you today who's living a life according to your standards, you're saying, I know what the scripture said. I know what I learned in church. I know what I learned that. But Jesus, really, this is how you should be. You know what Jesus did? Jesus looked at the disciples, and he turned around, and he rebuked Peter. Look at what he says. Get behind me, Satan. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And when he called disciples to himself and his disciples, he said, read this with me, whoever denies to come after me. In other words, whoever wants to be a Christ follower. See, following Jesus is so much different than we do on social media. We find someone there, hey, I like that, what they just said there, so I'll follow them. And then you get those people, you know, like every other breath, they're adding a post, right? They breathe and post, breathe and post, breathe and post. And you look at that, and it's like they're blowing up your phone. So what do you do? We have the power to unfollow, just like that. I think some of us, get to the place that we think of following Jesus is sort of the same way. I like what he's saying now, so I'll, I'll follow him. Oh, but if he's asking me for more than what I'm doing, I'm going to unfollow. But everything's going to be all right because I followed him once. Look what Jesus says. Whoever desires to come after me or to follow him, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. You see, if you're sitting here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you want to be in control, you want to be in the seat, you want to come up with all the doctrines that you want, you choose what you want, I like this, but I don't like that, and you live your life like that, Jesus says what you're going to do is you're going to lose your life. Because when you stand before me, he's going to ask us, did you live according to this word? Not according to what you wanted to follow, but according to this word. And if you didn't, he's going to say, you've lost your life for eternity. You'll be separated from me in hell. But he says, if you lose your life, if you simply say, I'm not living my life for me. I'm not driving the bus. I'm not driving the car. Jesus, I want to be dead to me, my desires. I want to live to you. He said, then good because you've saved your life. You've saved your life. 
He said, for what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of, uh, will be ashamed, and I will be ashamed of him when I come in my glory with the holy angels. Wow. It costs to follow Jesus. We sang a little bit of that song a few minutes ago that had part of the bridge from an old song that we used to sing. Remember that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. That song actually came out of a life story. After the uh, uh, Wales revival about 150 years ago, missionaries went to northeast India in which there were some aggressive tribes there called headhunters. They shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, and one of the men there and his family that became a Christ follower decided to follow Jesus was a guy by the name of Nok Singh. He had a wife and two kids. The chief found out about it because you could not publicly uh, ac accept Jesus as your Savior in, in that region of India that many years ago. So the chief brought him before the townspeople and said, if you don't renounce Jesus, we're going to kill you and your kids. Naksong stood and he said these words, I have decided to follow Jesus. And the chief had them to pull back their bow and arrow and kill his two sons immediately. Then he pulled his wife up and he said, if you don't deny Jesus, we're going to kill her. And the story goes that Naksong then said, though no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. And they killed his wife. The chief brought him up one more time and said, you have a final time to deny Christ. And the story goes that he said these words, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back, and they killed him. Now we look at that story and we say, how sad, but it catapulted a revival. You know who it started with? It started with the chief of that headhunter's tribe who said, anybody that can stand in a world like ours and say, I've decided to follow Jesus and lay down their life, I will follow that same Jesus. And the entire village had a revival. Jesus is saying, will you decide to follow me and not live for yourself? Luke said, we've got to do this daily. So it's a journey. There on the bottom of the page are next steps in our growing relationship with Jesus. This comes from Rick Warren's book on talk about the purpose-driven church. The first step that we all are part of or were part of or are part of is a crowd, a crowd. And Jesus had crowds that were attracted to him. And it was sort of always come and see, come and see, come and see this man. Next year, we're going to, next week, we celebrate 26-year anniversary of this church. Now, you know, that's something to say. You started a church 26 years ago, and you're still around, and a lot of people are still coming to this church, so that's good. But when we started this church, we said we want to create this church as a non-judgmental society where people who are far from Christ can come, learn, feel accepted. Now, see, there's a big word. Do you accept me in my lifestyle? Hey, we accept people. We may not approve of your lifestyle. But when you're part of the crowd, we're going to say when you pull in that parking lot, you're going to get a big smile. You know what people say when they fill out a connection card? They say one of the first things I noticed about this church is a wonderful, friendly people who park cars. Don't you thank God for our guys and gals out there who park cars? And those of you who try to tell them how to do their business, just keep your mouth shut or you get out there and serve, okay? And if you don't like where they want to park you, I know a little church 
not far. That is plenty of parking spaces for you to park. And I know who you are now. Anyway. So our weekend service is about the crowd. I, I want you to come and hang out. Hang out as long as you feel like you want to hang out. Because some of you come from backgrounds, and when you've been abused, you don't believe in the church. So we say, you can come and hang out at the Father's house and be part of the crowd. We're going to love you. We're going to invite you. We're going to give you coffee. We're going to give you water. We're going to take care of your kids. Just be part of the crowd. But someday we have to move beyond the crowd, and we have to be part of the congregation. The congregation is come and join us. Come and join us. That's why you need to get in life group. Because in life group, you become part of, you become a partner to this church. You belong. And then you become committed. Committed is come and grow. Come and grow. How do we do that? Well, we study the Bible every day. We take notes. We become a self-feeder. And then we become part of the core. The core is come and serve. Come and serve. In other words, I'm no longer a spectator. I'm no longer just uh, there, but I want to participate. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll run a camera. I'll go hold a baby. I'll be part of it. I'll, I'll worship one service and I'll serve one service. Uh, be part of Team TFH. Then after that is commissioned. Come and die. Come and die. Because what we're saying there is that your, your life is not just about Sunday morning, but your life is about work, the restaurant. I love with some of the guys that hang out in, in our life group. We go to different restaurants and, and we study the Bible and we bow our heads and pray and people look at us and they hear us. But I, I hear all these people as we leave say, I know you've invited me and one of these days I'll come. One of these days, you see what that is? It's people that have been commissioned, they come and die. So next week we'll be passing out our Easter invite cards. So you know what you do? As people who come and die, you don't worry about what somebody's gonna say. You don't say no to them to not come to Easter, but you're always inviting. You're always bringing someone today introduced me to a brand new guest and said, Hey, I invited them. I brought them today and they came and they showed up. So you're somewhere on that continuum, the crowd, the congregation committed, the core, the commissioned. But where are you? Are you stuck? Are you stuck? I, I find that I love Jesus more and more every day. But a lot of people get stuck where they are. Well, yeah, okay, I'm a, I'm a partner now. Oh, serve, tithe, give? No, 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 that's me. Invite people to church? No, 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 that's not me. You're stuck. We're on a growing relationship with Jesus. So where are you? I celebra we celebrated last week that last year we had 282 people that filled out a connection card and made a decision for Jesus. Could you give a hand clap and no golf clap? Come on, church, come on. Two hundred and eighty-two people made a decision for Christ. So if you made a decision for Christ, what's your next step? Well, Acts 2 and 41 tells us what our next step should be. Those who were gladly received his word were baptized. On that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. Twenty-seven times in the New Testament, it talks about, uh, talks about spontaneous post-decisions for water baptism. I say post-decisions because it's after somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus or a recommitment, if you really want. We'll say, I'm going to choose. I have decided to be baptized as a sign that my life is starting over afresh and anew. 
Now, I know some of us had pre-decisions, like as a baby, were you christened, uh, or we were sprinkled, and different things, but it wasn't based on a decision that we made in the Scripture. We don't diminish uh, uh, baptizing babies and that we dedicate babies. We don't diminish any of that experience. But in the New Testament, it's always if you give your heart to the Lord or if you surrender your life to him, invite him into your life, then you're baptized in water. You're baptized in water. And it wasn't a convenience. Some of you today came dry, you're going to leave wet. Because the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you. That you've neglected this. You've neglected this area. Holy Spirit's going to speak to you today. You see, this decision is not based on convenience. But it's a spontaneous thing in the New Testament. See, we want to plan out. Okay, we baptize every third Sunday. So you know what? The, fifth, the, the third Sunday of the next year of the fourth millennial, then I think I'll be baptized. Why do I need to be baptized, Terry? Well, here's the reasons. Number one, to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus was baptized. How many of you are married? How many of you wear a wedding band? You know what that wedding band is? That wedding band is a symbol that you're married. That wedding band didn't make you married, but it symbolizes that you are married. Water baptism is the outward symbol that you are a Christ follower. There's no other. It's not walking the aisle. It's not raising your hand. It's not kneeling and praying. In the New Testament, the only outward symbol of being a Christ follower was public water baptism. Look at this scripture, Acts 2, 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 were added to them. 1 John 2 and 4. Someone may say, I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. I belong to Christ. But if he doesn't do what Christ tells him to do, he is a what? Ooh. I didn't say that. That's pretty tough. Well, yeah, I know in the Bible it talks about, you know, in the Scripture it says repent and be baptized. But, you know, I just, I'm a little old or I'm afraid or, or, you know, this or that. Look at that Scripture for yourself. So I'm telling you today, if you've neglected this area in your life, the Holy Spirit is already speaking to you. And you're already planning what that would be like, what would that would be like today. Number two, the reason we want to be baptized is to demonstrate my changed life or my new commitment. Maybe I've gone away from him. You see, wearing that wedding band simply says that I'm changed. I'm no longer the same. I loved how they used to baptize in the old days. Some of you are like me, used to baptize people in rivers. We actually cracked ice and baptized people in ice, and they never backslid. But years ago, what they would do is they would, they would wear a white uh, robe, but over top of that robe, they would wear dirty, ripped clothes. And they would take them out into the river and say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Instead of going backwards like we do, they would go down. 
And while they're underwater, they rip off the old clothes. And when they come up out of the water, they got on those white garments that represent, that's a public confession of what Jesus has done in my life. 1 Peter 3 and 21. In baptism, we show that we have been saved from death and doomed by the resurrection of Christ, not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, by the way, this water is sanitized, but because in being baptized, we are turned to God and asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. Thirdly, I'm baptized because it declares my commitment publicly. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven, but everyone who denies me here on earth, I will deny them before my Father in heaven. And some people say they're getting ready for baptism. So, all right. And those of you that are going to be baptized already signed up. Go ahead. And some of you are going to be baptized. You don't know it yet. And I'm going to give you some directions. <laughs> people say to me, oh, my faith is a private matter. It's between me and Jesus. That'd be like me saying, I have a very secret place in my house. I wear my ring while I'm in the house. But when I get ready to go to the gym, I take my ring off and I put it in this secret place that nobody knows. And I walk out of the house without my ring because being married is a private thing. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't get two steps out of that front door <laughs> until that Italian German would bring some sense to me. You see... This ring simply says, I'm off base. Can't have any of this. <laughs> I'm taken. And I know what some of you are thinking. You married above your, yourself. You're right. But our religion is not private. Jesus called us to be light. Romans 10 and 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you done that? You see, to be almost right with Jesus is to be totally wrong. Because we're not saved by good opinions about Jesus. We're not saved by good feelings about Jesus. We're not saved by saying, I agree with his moral teachings. That's not enough. Close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades. If you're almost right, you're wrong. Does it matter how we believe in Jesus? Yeah. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not just Savior, did you catch that? Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you're here today or you're watching online, and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, I want to lead you. That's the first step of moving beyond the crowd, moving beyond the spectators, moving beyond those that just think that he was just a great man to realize that he's the Savior. He died on the cross for my sins, and on the third day he rose again. Would you bow your head? Would you pray this prayer with me? Or some of you may need to re rededicate your life to the Lord today. Father God, would you pray it with me? Father God. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who died for my sins. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I surrender. I'm willing to die to myself, 
to live for you. You don't become my savior to make me have a better day, but you change my eternity. As best as I know how, I want to serve you today. Fill me with your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. So what do you do next? You need to be baptized in water. Some of you today need to be baptized in water. Where's my assistant? Come on up here. Come on up here. See, I, I, I'm thinking about the excuses that you're already thinking. Oh, my hair. Hey, it's the end of the service. After we baptize you, you can go straight out that door and go home. Be a whole lot more happier. Right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you that, you know what? You've put this off long enough. So I know you're thinking of excuses like, oh, I don't have a towel. Do we have towels today? We have towels. Oh, this white shirt wouldn't be a good one for me to be baptized in. Oh, we have multiple sizes of dark t-shirts. Well, you know, this skirt, this dress that I have, you know, these, whoa, look at this. We have multiple sizes of black shorts. This even has corporal stripes on the side. You can even go beyond that. Now we have several that are getting ready to be baptized. Thank you. Here, take these because we, we'll, we might run out of them in the back. Maybe we have about 50 or 100 because we're ready today. Seriously, right now, there are some of you that this is a day for you to follow him in water baptism. Maybe you've walked away from him and you've made a redecision and today needs to be a recommitment. I'm gonna just ask you right now to just get up from where you're sitting, go in the back and there'll be somebody there that'll take you to, we have several private rooms. We have towels, we have t-shirts, we have shorts that are there for you. Or if you wanna really be spontaneous and daring, just take all the valuables out of your pocket and come over here in just a minute and you can line up and we'll baptize you in water today in the name of Jesus. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.